This episode of Priority One Podcast is brought to you by our Patreon supporter, Mizugai. We thank him and all our other patrons for their monthly support. Command codes verified. Priority One message from Starfleet coming in on secure channel. Captains, you're listening to episode 254 of Priority One Podcast, your weekly report on all things Star Trek. Recorded on Wednesday, January 13th, 2016, and available for download or streaming on Monday, January 18th, at PriorityOnePodcast.com. I'm Elijah. And I'm Kenna. And in the recording booth is our audio engineer, Winters. Hello, everybody. So, what do we have this episode, Kenna? Well, this week we trek out the kickoff of the 50th anniversary celebrations with the orchestral tour, Star Trek The Ultimate Voyage. We're also looking at some old-fashioned vinyl and one small tidbit of information regarding the new Star Trek TV series. In Star Trek Online news, we're diving deep into suspicions about upcoming story content and looking at a new Star Trek game hitting mobile platforms this month. Then we find out what's on screen when Cookie and Elijah explore distant galaxies in the TNG episode Where No One Has Gone Before. Later, our lead artist, Henry, spotlights some awesome fan-created artwork worth admiring. Of course, before we wrap up the show, we'll open hailing frequencies for your incoming messages. We're fans of Trek just like you. So join in on the discussion by leaving us comments on our website, PriorityOnePodcast.com, on our Facebook page at Facebook.com com forward slash priority one podcast or follow us on twitter at priority one pod you can even leave us a voicemail using SpeakPipe. just click the widget on our webpage. and finally thanks again to all our patreon supporters old and new who make this show possible from week to week because of your support the servers stay on the power keeps flowing and the team keeps producing Help us to continually improve the show by considering a financial contribution via our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash priority one. Speaking of Patreon, this week in Priority One After Hours, Cookie and Kenna take the helm. This unscripted, uncensored, and unedited recording is available to our Patreon subscribers. Here's a snippet of what you can expect. At the end of the year... You guys have got to do, you know, best of priority one and uh, album, you know. <laughs> yeah, whole album. Yeah, That'd full album, twenty songs. <laughs> then we could have Winters on strings, and I'll be like the guy from the Boston's dancing in the background. Everybody. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it is this idea that most Star Trek fans, a majority, consider The Wrath of Khan to be the best Star Trek film. Uh, we were discussing this actually, Winters, before you came back on, and uh, Jake and I both agree that it is the best. <laughs> what? Anyway, Winters, if that's the only problem you have with the movie, then that's pretty weak. No, the acting. <laughs> okay, like, don't tell me it's the car. <laughs> that's that's one. I'm trying to remember. Was this the one where Scotty's nephew? died and Scotty brought him up to the bridge carrying him oh was that Scotty's nephew I've watched that film like twice and I I never made that connection but you're you're right before we move on we want to send our best to one of our audio editors James Calvin he'll be out of commission for the next several weeks and we wish him the best that means we have a position available on our team we're looking for some support with editing the show from week to week if you've got some audio editing experience or would like to learn, visit PriorityOnePodcast.com and click on Red Shirt Uncle Sam. There's an easy form for you to fill out. Now, let's check out the latest news in the Star Trek universe. 
I don't know. Then let's trek it out. If you are one of the majority of fans who consistently rate Star Trek II, a.k.a. The Wrath of Khan, as the best ever Star Trek film, then you might be interested in this bit of info. A company called Mondo has recently announced the release of a special edition vinyl version of The Wrath of Khan soundtrack, now available through their website. For those of you who haven't heard of Mondo, they're an Austin, Texas-based shop-slash-gallery that creates limited edition merchandise for all sorts of films, TV shows, comics, and the like. Their website is an online treasure trove of fantastic collectibles, posters, clothing, you name it. If you check it out today, they showcase original and licensed merchandise from Hellboy, Green Goblin, Home Alone, and Back to the Future, just to name a few. It's hard to describe, but you should go check it out. Now, if you weren't aware, the soundtrack to The Wrath of Khan was composed by James Horner, one of the superstars of the film scoring world, whose later work includes Titanic, Apollo 13, A Beautiful Mind, and Avatar, among many, many others. His work on this film is undoubtedly one of the reasons the film has been so well-received over the years and continues to stand the test of time. It's dramatic, compelling, and really helps to drive the drama, suspense, and action of the story. But, in addition to the excellent music, this particular release of the soundtrack is truly special edition, with original artwork, exclusive liner notes, and audio that hasn't been released on vinyl before. And the piece de resistance, which you have got to see to believe, is that this limited one-time pressing is on what they call Mutara Nebula Colored Vinyl. Now, I'm not a vinyl enthusiast, sad to say I'm exclusively digital these days, but I'll admit even I thought about picking up this album just for the artwork. Have you seen it, Elijah? Yeah, and I thought that it was going to be really expensive, but it's not. If I'm reading, is it, it's 35 bucks, right? That is not bad for this. I am like you. I don't even ever remember owning a turntable, but I might pick this up just for the, you know, the collector's aspect of this because it's pretty cool. Yeah, and I cannot describe what the actual record looks like, but it looks just like a big pinky, bluey, spacey, nebula thing. It's amazing looking. You've got to go and see it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I might actually pick this up just to have it as a collector's item. It's it's really not that bad. So speaking of music, there's no doubt that music, like you mentioned earlier, plays an integral part in our entertainment experience, in our lives. Whether it's a musical with a tune you just can't get out of your head, a movie with a menacing soundtrack, or a television show with a theme that will never be forgotten. Music will always evoke emotion. The music of Star Trek is no different, and this year we begin the 50th anniversary celebrations with Star Trek The Ultimate Voyage, a live and immersive concert tour dedicated to 50 years of Star Trek music. Enhanced with featured international solo instruments, a massive screen projecting scenes from the television shows and films, and a live full orchestra, this is not an event that you want to miss. The tour kicked off in London last year, but began its North American tour on January 17th at the Kravis Center in West Palm Beach, Florida. Ticket prices vary by venue, so visit StarTrekUltimateVoyage.com for tour dates and locations. And if you go, we want to know about your experience, so tweet us pictures, send us your reviews. I actually bought tickets to see it at Madison Square Garden, and... I'm actually doing my own musical that weekend, so I can't go. And I actually bought tickets. Got it. So I'm a little, I'm a little disappointed oh. um, that I may not be able to, to catch this. I really wanted to see it at Madison Square Garden, right? Because I'm sure that it would have been a bunch of New York musicians that you know probably play at the New York Philharmonic. I might be able to catch the one in Reading, Pennsylvania, but that is also during rehearsal. So I don't know. I don't know that I'm actually going to be able to, to see this, and I'm really, really sad. Well, I'm kind of sad because I'd heard about it and I kind of knew about it, but I think uh, I wasn't quite thinking and because it was at the Royal Albert Hall last year and that would have been amazing to see. But it kind of like, I don't know, didn't make the connection in my mind and now it's gone. The opportunity's passed. That concert slipped under the radar. Even this concert is kind of slipping a little bit under the radar. I wish that they were due more marketing towards it because I think it's a really nice experience. But have you ever done one of these kind of immersive concert experiences like this before? No. I've seen, you know, sometimes they'll do something like uh, Les Mis. They'll do like a concert of Les Mis and they'll, then they'll release the DVD of the concert. Like, not the show, but the concert. 
So I've seen that type of thing before, and I'm, I'm actually hoping that they do that with this concert. That would be really great to be able to experience that after the fact. So we'll see. But no, I've never been live. It could be fun. It could be fun to see catch something like that live. I've been to um, video games live, and that's very similar, at least in the 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 general idea and the feel of it. And then you know they have a big screen projector, live orchestra. Uh, and they project the game, you know, or scenes from the game as they're playing whatever pieces from the game. And they'll do things from Mario to Zelda to Halo, the whole nine yards. They'll include uh, a whole choir and everything. And then they also incorporate people in cosplay, and depending on the region that they're in. It's a really fun experience, so uh, yeah, definitely try to try to check it out. Even if it's not Star Trek, unfortunately, but if you get the chance to catch something like that, it's really cool. Well, going back a little bit to Star Trek... TV series news, we've had a little bit more information regarding the new Star Trek series that is slated to premiere on CBS All Access in January of 2017, but it's not what many people were expecting. In an interview with the Television Critics Association this week, Glenn Geller, who's the new president of CBS Entertainment, talked about the development of the new series, saying, quote, I don't have anything to do with it. It really is for all access. While the network will be broadcasting the pilot, I can't actually answer any creative questions about it." Unquote. So that raises even more questions now about who will be in charge of development. So far, we've not heard anything except that Alex Kurtzman, who co-wrote Star Trek and Into Darkness, has signed on as executive producer. But does this mean that the new series will have a longer creative leash than it might have on the network? Certainly streaming services like Amazon Instant Video and Netflix have been successful in pushing creative boundaries, but will that kind of result be achieved by CBS All Access? We'll have to wait and see. You know, the moment that I think I have a handle or understanding about how the Star Trek IP is split between CBS and Paramount, something like this comes up where I get all confused again. Because, you know, I tried to talk about it a little bit in our chat earlier because so now it's CBS broadcast television, CBS interactive, and then Paramount. So what? Who controls what? At what point? So if CBS television is not in charge, so that means that somebody at CBS interactive is obviously going to have creative control over this. But does that fall under Paramount? Who's supervising this really from the the suits? It's just really confusing. It really is. I I, I don't I don't know anymore. I really don't. I don't know who's got who's in charge of what. It's confusing and scary. They're asking us a lot. They haven't given us any information. There's a lot of teasing, <laughs> no information, and it's making people very nervous. And something I was thinking about when we were talking about the composers and the music of Star Trek earlier in the segment, uh, as I was preparing for the segment, something that kind of poked me was the concept that, you know, Star Trek has had a lot of creative fingers in it. So many writers, so many directors, so many composers. And I think that, that that has actually been a bit detrimental to the franchise. Whereas with Star Wars, comparatively, it's Lucas and Williams. You know, like, that's it. That's all, that's all you got. So actually, I want to pose this community question, even though it's not really covering what we spoke about. But do you think that having too many cooks in the kitchen for Star Trek has actually hurt it when compared to something like Star Wars that have had two big names from beginning to end? Let us know in the comments section for this episode on PriorityOnePodcast.com or on Facebook or Twitter. So did we miss anything this week in Trek? Then send it over to us via incoming at PriorityOnePodcast.com. Now let's bring Mark onto the bridge and find out what happened this week in Star Trek Online. Computer status report. Status. Incoming message. I'm only in the mood for good news today. And first up in Star Trek Online news this week is technically not a bit of Star Trek Online news, it's about another game. If you haven't heard it, Star Trek Timelines is coming out. It's a strategy role-playing mobile game from Disruptor Beam for Android and iOS devices and for the web, due to launch sometime this month. At least at the time of this recording, we don't have an exact date. We interviewed John Radoff way back in June of 2014 and are excited that this game will finally be getting released soon. For those of you that don't know about Timelines, here's a brief overview of what you can expect. Players will be able to explore the vast Trek universe using science, diplomacy and battle to solve conflicts in story-driven gameplay. The basic premise is that something has happened to the Star Trek timeline, allowing for the intersection of all the Star Trek eras. 
In other words, it's a plot device that allows you to have Picard and Spock on the same team and John Delancey has been brought in to voice Q within the game. The wiki for Timeline states that each character is proficient in at least one skill, diplomacy, science, security, command, engineering or medicine. Conversation choices made before going on a mission can affect the mission, for example agitating someone may make them wish to fight the player leading to a combat mission. Missions take place in space, aboard ships and on planets. The outcome of missions vary depending on the crew skills that are selected and the steps that are taken along the way. There's a whole host of characters and different versions of those characters for you to control, such as Picard, Janeway, Archer, Cisco, Quark. Added to this the ships, the Constellation class, Defiant, a Galaxy, Bird of Prey, a Dederdex and even a Borg Cube. Interestingly enough, although this is a game about a broken timeline, I haven't seen any JJ Verse assets, so I guess we're limited to the Prime timeline? We'll have to see. There is much more to the game than we could cover here in one show and we highly recommend that you check it out when it releases. You, as always, can check for more news about the release of timelines here at Priority One and I for one really look forward to seeing what this game has to offer. Let us know what you think of the game if you start to play it. I want to see what this game is about. Yeah. I don't think that it will be a competitor to Star Trek Online. No. Although I'm really, really jealous that they've got John Delancey and we haven't. Well, that's what I wanted to say. Yeah. How come John Delancey isn't in STO and he's in this? I asked this at Vegas and I wish I remembered the answer. Oh, Bark. I know. You're letting the team down. I think there was something along the lines of there's nothing stopping him coming to them. Mm. But I think it was when to fit him in and stuff. I don't know. There was something... There's definitely something of just because he's over there doesn't mean he won't come to STO. Well, I, I mean, I think that's probably true. There's probably, I mean, I don't know if, if there would be an exclusivity thing, but I don't particularly think this game looks like it's going to be a direct competitor for STO. It's different. Right. Um, I'm looking forward to playing it, actually, when it comes out. I'm really looking forward to it. It seems like it'll be something a little bit new. I like the idea that it's on a mobile device mm-hmm. because uh, I do, I like the idea of having a, a Star Trek-ish game on a mobile device, and I've played some others that I haven't been that impressed with so to have something that I can carry around is really good and plus it'll match my um, nice L cars uh, wallpaper <laughs> on my phone <laughs> oh, they did say it would be like almost like cinema quality sort of graphics and from what screenshots they've posted up it does look really good yeah it looks really good I'm not sure about this whole like they've done a bit of jiggery pokery to get it so that you could have timey-wimey wibbly wobbly stuff and uhura on the same t- yeah a little bit of wibbly wobbly timey-wimey stuff so it'll be interesting to see how they kind of work that and also whether they can make it make sense in our normal sort of view of canon but i don't know it'll, it definitely will be one to check out and um or trek out yeah indeed you didn't know be so that brings us to this week's community question have you played any other star trek games and if so what's your favorite Well, moving us swiftly back onto actual Star Trek Online, there's a new story blog out this week. Now, this is quite a lengthy little analysis, so hold on to your butts, people. And this is following in the footsteps of the similar Tales of the War series. This one is entitled Suspicions, which I suspect, see what I did there, is relevant not only to the plot of the piece, but also that there might be some hints inside clues to upcoming content. Now, I won't spoil the plot for you because you should go and read it yourself, but it's a nice little piece of fiction by content designer Jadua Ross, who you'll remember from the Iconian War finale, Midnight. But there are two pertinent hints dropped in this innocuous little blog, and I'm hoping that they're indication of what's to come in the future-proof story arc. So first, there appears to be a growing number of people who believe that we should be, quote, using our temporal technology to advance the Krenim position, unquote. And number two, something's up with Noi. Now, if you cast your mind back to the end of the Iconian War, these two things are hinting at some issues that were left a little open-ended, and we all speculated if and when they would come back and raise their ugly heads, as it were. First, if you recall, we were all sort of led to get a bit of the heebie-jeebies around our involvement with the Krenum. Now, that was all the way back in Episode 5, Time in a Bottle, when we first discovered where the Krenum were hiding. They were a little too eager to help us out against the Iconians, and we were desperate. Now, it seems as though that decision may be coming back to haunt us, although arguably, without the help of the Krenum, we would have been destroyed by the Iconians, and this would all be a moot point. And then there's Noi. 
We were all shocked at the end of Butterfly Effect when our ship's temporal shielding failed and Clouda was erased from the timeline. Her disappearance raised some questions with it, namely, was she one of the Spear Builders? Now, when we interviewed Kate Bankson, the content designer on that episode, and asked her that question, she only said, quote, no comment. Now, we know from the last episode, Stormbound, that we are getting hints that we might be getting closer to involvement in the Temporal Cold War, and the Sphere Builders were one of the factions involved. So, are we going to see the Sphere Builders sometime soon? Hmm. But, as for Noi, it was left very open-ended about what his fate was going to be. Here he'd lost someone he cared deeply for, but he couldn't even remember that she ever existed. So, are we seeing hints here that he's somehow remembering Clouda? Strictly speaking, if we believe that we are participants in the STO universe, just like Noi is, and we remember her, if we just break down that fourth wall a bit, it's plausible that somehow he does as well, but again, I guess we'll have to wait and see. And let's just hope a new featured episode doesn't come out between the time we record this and the time it goes live. So, what do you guys think? Theories? No, you've pretty much hit the nail on the head and exactly what I was thinking. So hopefully that's a good thing. I haven't read it yet, so I don't really Oh, Winters. Oh, Winters. Yeah, I know. Oh, Sorry. for heaven's sake. Uh, well, you should. Definitely go and read it. I think recently these blogs, you know, back when the Tales of the War series was coming out, they were kind of a nice to have, and they were a uh, little nice to read, And but you didn't really have to. It wasn't like a news blog where you want to find out about some new fangled thing that was coming out. It was more of an in-universe immersion thing. Nowadays, they are slipping in commentary about what's going on. It's almost like they're tidying us over until the next episode that we get to play. I mean, we've seen hints about a new improved Odyssey. We've seen, I'm trying to think of all the other hints that we've seen, but pretty much all of these blogs now have kind of di direct implications of what's coming up. So definitely go and read it. Definitely pay attention to when they come out. Also, if you follow at Trek Online Game on Twitter, and Star Trek Online on Facebook, they will post those up and you can make sure that you don't miss any of them. Again this week, in an effort to bring you some of the news and comments from PW and Cryptic that aren't officially announced in the blogs, here's the latest comments pulled from the Twitterverse. Maria Rosso at Zeronius Rex tweeted, First day back to work after vacation, got a promotion. I should take vacation more frequently. Winky smiley. Congratulations, Maria. Zero, Zeronius. Congrats on real life level. Well done. <laughs> Al Captain Gecko Rivera tweeted, Do you think at Priority One Pod actually predicted STO 2016? It's going to be a big year. Yeah, obviously, we were all completely correct, obviously, as if there's yeah. any doubt. <laughs> and lastly, before we wrap up Star Trek Online news, here are some upcoming events to look forward to. Coming up, we have the Galactic Development Campaign. And the blog states that Star Trek Online is calling for all captains to take part in a post-war recovery event running from January 14th at 9am Pacific Standard Time until January 28th at 9am Pacific Standard Time. All captains who log in during this time frame will be able to contribute to the global efforts to rebuild the quadrant in the aftermath of our war against the Iconians. The level of contributions made by all captains will be matched by special reward events that will unlock for everyone the following week. For the first week, running from January 14th until January 21st at 9am Pacific Standard Time, captains can aid in the recovery efforts by completing fleet projects and earning fleet credits. Based on the contributions made by all captains during this week, a bonus reputation mark week will be unlocked the following week with a bonus of 25, 50 or 75%. As always, events like this are subject to change without notice, so be sure to keep your eye on the in-game calendar or keep tuning in to Priority One Podcast for the latest updates. Now let's check in with Cookie and Elijah and find out what's on screen. On screen. Hello, Captains. I'm Cookie. And I'm Elijah. And this week, we're reviewing Where No One Has Gone Before, written by Diane Duane and Michael Reeves and directed by Rob Bowman. This episode first aired October 26th, 1987. Starfleet has ordered that the Enterprise rendezvous with the USS Fearless in order to pick up a Mr. Kaczynski, a propulsion specialist who has already improved the warp capabilities of several, well, two, Federation ships. Although, something is fishy when no one other than himself can replicate or understand his theories. Is it Kaczynski? 
or his mysterious companion. Here are some fun facts. This episode was nominated for an Emmy Award in 1988 for Outstanding Sound Mixing for a Drama Series. This episode was Rob Bowman's first time directing a Trek episode. He was 27 years old at the time, and he commented, It was a very enlightening script, the likes of which you don't very often see on television. I felt very fortunate that it was such a great script, but personally I was terrified because it was my first episode and I wanted to make a good impression. I worked on that show every day I had the script, which, including the shooting, was like 20 days for me. He went on to direct 12 more episodes after that, and producer Robert Justman said that hiring Bowman was one of his proudest achievements on the show. Bowman later commented, The special effects in that episode were, at times, extremely frustrating and complex, so I didn't know what they were going to look like. It's tough to have people react to something that even I can't identify. Many special effects are just vaguely discussed during shooting and only finalized during post-production, so at times, that was difficult. He was probably referring to the images on the view screen of the faraway galaxies they ended up at. I can see how that might be difficult to react to something if you didn't know what you were looking at, especially directing other people to react to it. That would be kind of frustrating. Well, interestingly enough, that's kind of the point of the episode, isn't it? Right? Where no one has gone before. You know, you're asking the actors to imagine something that is kind of unimaginable. Interesting. Hmm. This is also the first time we see Eric Meniak as the Traveler. He reappears later in the episodes Remember Me and Journey's End. One funny thing that happened during filming was when Jonathan Frake says the line, It wasn't him. It never was. It was his assistant. What did you do? It wasn't him. It never was. It was his assistant. What are you talking about? Kaczynski wasn't the one controlling the warp experiment. It was me! He apparently could not say it without breaking into laughter. And according to Patrick Stewart, the laughter soon spread like a brush fire throughout the set. Stewart and Frakes were reminiscing about this at the 2012 Calgary Comic-Con Expo. Another fun fact, Worf's Targ was played by a Russian wild boar named Emilu. Isn't that cute? I wonder if he called her that during filming. I highly doubt it. <laughs> On so what do you think of the episode, Cookie? Well, I didn't like that annoying so-called propulsion expert Kaczynski. He was so arrogant and rude all the time. I liked how the crew handled him, though. Oh my gosh, the scene with Riker and him when they first get to engineering is amazing. Riker's passive-aggressive, frack you with a smile. Oh, it's great. It's great because I used to talk to customers that way oh. when I worked at Geek oh. Squad. So you can it's relate. Amazing. Yes. Yeah, I like the way they handle him. They didn't let him just push him around. I did feel bad for the Traveler at first because it seemed to be hurting him, all that. And I thought it was Kaczynski that was doing it. And I thought that he was just using the Traveler. So then I wondered, why was he doing that? Why was the Traveler doing that? Why was this nice guy trying to help some rude guy trick Starfleet officers into thinking that this useless upgrade would make their ship go faster. It didn't make any sense at first. So that was really confusing. But then, at the end, we find out that the Traveler was actually using Kaczynski, not the other way around, so then it made a lot more sense. You know, now that you mention it, I'm also thinking to myself, that left for a plot hole, right? Because the Traveler was the one responsible. And it was, he was using magic, right? Essentially, quote-unquote magic. So, how did the the changes stick on the other two ships? Once the Traveler left those other two ships, didn't the enhancements to the Warp Core cease? Didn't they just stop? I don't see that he actually did any good. That Kaczynski actually did anything. Well, even the Traveler, though. The Traveler uses magic, right? Quote-unquote. To enhance the propulsion, right? That's the whole thing, is that it's never been Kaczynski this entire time. It's been the Traveler. So how did whatever the Traveler do stick on the other two ships? I think someone, I forgot who, but someone in there had a conversation about how after they all figured out what was going on, I think they did mention that the upgrades were good, but it just wasn't to the extent that the Traveler did. It wasn't like 
super amazing, they, but they were improvements. I think that's what they discovered. I don't know. I also like that the Traveler not only treated Wesley with respect, which was in stark contrast from the way Kaczynski treated him, but he also saw his potential. He said that people like Wesley are the reason he travels, and he likened him to Mozart. But instead of music, Wesley's gift was the intricacies of time, energy, and propulsion, and basically all the instruments of the Enterprise. I like that he brought that out to Picard, because it forced Picard to respect Wesley a little more. One of the most frustrating things I see is a child who is ignored simply because they are a child. I hate that. I just can't stand it. So that's a, like what Riker did when, with Wesley in this episode. Ignoring his concerns and observations. For what reason? Just because he's young. So I appreciate that about the Traveler, that he did not do that. And now that Picard will have to do that a little less, too, at least with Wesley, because now he knows there's something special about him, so he can't ignore No, him. it doesn't stop. I know it doesn't. But we don't know how much worse it would have been. So what makes this episode so important in the Trek lore? I mean, it certainly sets up Wesley's character, that's for sure. And that really awkward relationship with the Traveler. I mean, it happens again, and as you mentioned earlier, in future episodes of TNG. But as a standalone episode, what is the story getting at? Is it to question the idea of exploration itself? What is more important, scientific discovery and exploration, or, or not to be alone in the universe? Or maybe it's that there's always going to be something that humanity isn't ready for. Whether it's Q assuming that humanity isn't ready for exploration within their own galaxy or some traveler almost slapping a little boy in the face for suggesting that time, space, and thought aren't all that different. He has then some small part of this. That space and time and thought aren't the separate things they appear to be? Boy, don't ever say that again. Especially not at your age in a world that's not ready for such... such dangerous nonsense. I think that at its core, this particular episode was less about some kind of a moral to the story and more about what the writers and producers can put on television. So there isn't any internal conflict happening, and, and Picard isn't really struggling with whether or not to stay behind or go home. No, his struggle's whether or not to take Wesley seriously from now on. <laughs> right, and that happens at the very, very end. This episode is more about just the wow factor. Wow, they're at the edge of the universe. Wow, if a child can make it, I can too. Wow, people's imaginations are pretty lame. Speaking of which, it's a good thing that Ray Vankman from Ghostbusters wasn't on that ship. Because that would have been a good story. Stave Puff Marshmallow Man is let loose on the Enterprise. Anywho, I watched this episode and thought, man, this reminds me of something else. Oh, oh, wait, yeah, Voyager. Oh, wait, wait, maybe this is where the Nexus came from. Oh, wait! It's quite all right, sir. I understand. Please don't interrupt me, Wesley. I'm sorry, sir. Speaking of funny things I, that I noticed, have you noticed how many times they say captain in any given episode? Like, I really want to make a drinking oh, game man, out of it. Oh, man, we would be going to the hospital. Sloshed. Yeah, sir. Sloshed at the end of that like episode. That. <laughs> Unless if it's just a sip of wine, then I could do that. <laughs> but if it's a shot, no way. So what's your favorite quote from the episode? When Picard says, please don't interrupt me, Wesley. That's when Picard and Riker were promoting Wesley to Ensign in the most adorable way by conversing about what it would take for him to be authorized to sit at a command station on the bridge. And Wesley tries to interrupt him. And Picard kind of yells at him a little bit, but it's a playful thing. And I like that. It was cute. I think my favorite quote is when Picard orders Data to reverse engines. Am I the only one that was reminded of Spaceballs? What is our velocity? It's off the scale, sir. Reverse engines. Captain, no one has ever reversed engines at this velocity. Because no one has gone this fast. Reverse engines. So that brings us to our community question. We're only four episodes into The Next Generation. Did Wesley deserve to have his character spotlighted in such a way so early compared to, say, Geordi, Worf, or Tasha? Well, that wraps it up for this week's on-screen review for Star Trek The Next Generation, where no one has gone before. Now, let's spotlight some amazing art made by fans like you and me.
Hello, this is Henry, a.k.a. Romulan Ale, with another Star Trek fan art review from the very talented Star Trek fan community. This month, we turn our attention to DeviantArt, where we find some great works by Star Trek fan artist Thomas Robb. Robb's page can be found at udirion.deviantart.com. There will be a link to this gallery in this week's show notes. Take a look at his Star Trek folder. This gallery is packed full of great starscapes, beautiful starship renders, and epic space battles. Most of the works appear to be 3D renders coupled with Photoshop or PaintShop Pro post work. My favorites are the original series movie era renders. I particularly love a piece called Sulu's Chariot. This is a beautiful majestic scene depicting the starship Excelsior leaving orbit of a binary planet. There's also a great piece called Ares at Mars. This one shows the starship Ares from another great Star Trek fan production, Star Trek Axanar. This piece would make a great desktop background or social media cover photo to show your support for Axanar and all other Star Trek fan productions in light of recent actions by IP holders which stifle fan created content. Whether you're an original series fan looking for the small screen era Enterprise or newer ships like the Ares, or even later era classics like the Galaxy or the Defiant, you'll find something beautiful on Thomas Robb's page. I encourage everybody to take a look at his gallery at udirion.deviantart.com. Message coming in, sir. Hailing frequencies. Open. See, we are getting to know each other. Well, Captains, we're at the part of the show where we open hailing frequencies for your incoming messages. Last week's community questions were... What are your predictions for Star Trek Online in 2016? And who do you think will be the next voice actor to join the game? And how do you feel about the way the Ferengi were represented in The Last Outpost? What do you think the moral of that story was? David S. posted on PriorityOnePodcast.com Given that it is the 50th anniversary, it would be great to have one featured episode from each era and have all the captains reprise their roles. Bonus points if they can get John DeLancey to reprise his role as Q to tie all the episodes together. Being more realistic, however, I think they will get Matt Winston to reprise his role as Daniels from Enterprise so we can explore the 50 years of Star Trek through the temporal Cold War. Huh. It's an interesting idea. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. Nobody liked Daniels, though. Who liked Daniels in Enterprise? I, I don't Which one was Daniels? Yeah, I don't know who Daniels uh, he was. He was, he was okay. He's the one who wore the rubber tire suit. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> He was only in, like, what, four, five episodes, maybe? Yeah, but he wasn't even cool. He wasn't even a cool temporal lord. Star Trek Run posted on our website, I predict a new expansion will see us exploring the Gamma Quadrant, a small revamp of DS9, touch-ups of the wormhole, and exploration. We'd also get to see what the original Dominion has been up to and where Odo is. For voice acting, he said his pick is Jeffrey Combs, who played quite a few characters in Star Trek, including Weyoun on DS9 and Shran on Enterprise. These actors don't come cheap. Combs could be a bargain if they could get him to voice both Weyoun and Shran. I love that guy that he's talking about. I love that yeah. guy. Jeffrey Combs. It's always like, that's a fun game to try to whenever you see him in a Star Trek episode, because you never know. He's everywhere. He also played Liquidator Brunt as well, and he'd he done a great job in that character. He's an awesome actor. It's like where's Waldo, but like yeah, in Star Trek. Yeah, he's a he's um he's a pretty good character actor. He plays um he plays a lot of stuff really well. Mm-hmm. You know, speaking of John Delancey, and you guys were talking earlier in Star Trek Online news about timelines. Mm-hmm. I still think that Star Trek Online had a missed opportunity in the mobile platform. That's a little non sequitur, but okay, I'll bite. Yeah, um, I agree. I just because it, it, uh, did I not did I, I thought I said something about Q? Did I not? Yeah, yeah, we did say something about okay. Q, but I don't. I don't really know how that ties with the mobile platform. But yeah, I kind of, but I don't know. I like, I kind of like the idea of timelines being a little just, you know, self-contained on the mobile platform. As opposed, Are you talking about like, like a gateway on the mobile platform that would kind of be an extension of Star Trek Online? Yeah, we've talked about, you know, possibly, yeah, the, the big one was the gateway, right? The ability to kind of have a mobile, your mobile tablet yeah. or something. Do your DOFs uh, and stuff. That's the big yeah. one. The DOF thing was a big one. Being able to, while you're not home, you know, send your DOFs out on assignment or now your Admiralty system, you know, send your ships on assignment, yeah. uh, I think is uh, was a big missed opportunity. And I think what's interesting is, is that Thomas Maroney, who designed the 
ripped off system that was in mind the, the the design of it was was with the direction that they would hopefully be able to move this into a platform that was for mobile device or even web browser um, but unfortunately i guess they got the funding cut hopefully they don't, they don't get the funding cut for a possible john delancey see i turned it around i brought it back hmm? just decker 73 posted on priority1podcast.com when talking about the last outpost, I always say they hadn't figured out what they were going to do with the Ferengi yet. I'm glad they eventually figured them out. Michael Farina commented on our Facebook post for the episode, I feel the Ferengi were rough characters that over time were sanded, primed, and painted into an interesting stereotype of those groups of individuals that value wealth over anything. A perfect satire on the current viewers at the time which is the heart of Trek, to confront the viewers with current events in a non-in-your-face manner. A stark contrast to the utopian money-free federation, where people work hard to better oneself and community. Riker states it bluntly to the Guardian, for those who fail to pick it up on their own. Marques added to our website discussion regarding the moral of this episode, keep your cool when threatened, like Riker did. He also added, great show guys, love the episode recaps and the promenade. There's so much merchandise out there, and it's nice to have some pieces highlighted. I want that shower curtain that's got the blueprint of the galaxy. Not the galaxy. Yeah, the galaxy class. That's the one I want. Speaking of merchandise, you know what I saw on Facebook the other day? Um, someone had 3D printed the Avenger. Oh, I've seen that as well. Yeah, man. I actually reached out to the guy. I was like, hey, I'd really like to... Um, have that. How, 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 can ha- how can I make that happen? I'd really like to make that happen. So did he block uh, we'll you see. immediately? No, actually, it was actually quite. It was quite pleasant. Oh, good. It did look pretty cool. Yeah, it did look pretty cool. He said that he's improving on the model, and then he's going to have that model 3D printed. So I might wait until he does whatever improvements are, are going to happen. Anyway, Captains, we love hearing from you, so leave us a voicemail by clicking on the SpeakPipe widget on our homepage, and that's in addition to our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash Priority One Podcast, our Twitter page at Priority One Pod, and of course, you can always leave us a comment on our website, PriorityOnePodcast.com. Well, that wraps up episode 254 of Priority One Podcast. But before we go, here's a reminder of this week's community questions. Do you think Star Trek would be better if there were fewer creative minds behind the scenes? Kind of like Lucas and Williams are the two biggest names with Star Wars. Have you played any other Star Trek games besides Star Trek Online? And if so, what's your favorite? And finally, we're only four episodes into The Next Generation. Did Wesley deserve to have his character spotlighted in such a way so early compared to, say, Geordi, Worf, or Tasha? Captains, you know we love hearing from you. So submit your responses for those community questions in the comment section on our website. You can also leave a comment on our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash Priority One Podcast or share 140 characters with us on Twitter via at Priority One Pod. You can even leave us a voicemail with your own voice via SpeakPipe. Just click on the widget on our homepage at PriorityOnePodcast.com. Be sure not to miss a thing from the world of Star Trek. Catch our episodes every Monday morning by pointing your podcast catchers to feeds.priorityonepodcast.com. And if you're listening to us via iTunes, please leave us a review. More importantly, help spread the word about the show. Now that we're covering all things Star Trek, be sure to retweet and share our posts. Invite your fellow Trekkies. It's your support that keeps us going. Don't forget to tune into Priority One Productions' Guard Frequency Podcast at guardfrequency.com. Covering the world of space sims, including Star Citizen, Elite Dangerous, Descent Underground, and many, many more. If you like this show, then listening to Guard Frequency is the logical choice. Thanks to our graphic artists, Romulan Ale and Jason Smith. And if you enjoy our comics, the creator of our comic series, Jonathan Towery, can be commissioned at johntowery.com. Links in our show notes. Thanks to all our bloggers and their managing editor, L. To the writer of our prelude dramas, Jake Morgan. To our video editor, Jerry Tillman, and consultant Midnight Shadow 7 of Hollow Sweet Media for supporting this show. Thanks to our audio team, led by Michael McDonald, with assistance from Brandon Parker, Jake Morgan, Asmaria DePost, and James Calvin. And don't forget, we're looking to add to the team. If you're interested in helping us edit this show from week to week, shoot an email to incoming at PriorityOnePodcast.com. 
Thanks to the composer of our theme music, Chris Watts. Thanks to our syndication partners, Subspace Radio and Trek Radio. Most importantly, a big thanks to you, the Star Trek community, our listeners. Because without your ongoing support, none of this would be possible. Red alert. Ready weapons. Engage. Intro in three, two. I'm going to load up the page. <laughs> I was thinking you did just go into it. <laughs> Greetings, <laughs> Whose later work includes Titanic, Apollo 13, A Beautiful Mind, and Avatar, among many, many others. Oh, you screwed me up with that 14. Whoever wrote that. Hello? It wasn't, what did, it wasn't me. Nobody did. <laughs> Don't tell me I wrote that. I told it wasn't myself. me either. I didn't write that. Because <laughs> that would be me trolling myself, which I wouldn't do. <laughs> stupid. <laughs> Apollo 14. Psh, whatever. Okay. God, that's a really long sentence as well. I have to start from the beginning. <laughs> Damn it. Ah. Ah. <sighs> <sighs> <laughs> She's like, hello? <laughs> you guys are completely... So- no, I thought I glitched out like I did last week. So I was like, oh, crap. I've just been talking to myself for two minutes. It's cool. Whatever. Uh, now if, uh, that would be so funny. That happened to Jess <laughs> before. Well, he just keeps talking. Jess had uh, timed out and he had this really long part to do. And he was talking to himself for like five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, pretty oh, accurate, no. though. Yeah. <sighs> right. Okay, can I go? Love now? you, Jace. Love you, Jace. Wherever you are. Interestingly enough, although this game is about a broken timeline, I haven't seen any JJ ad- adverse. Adverse, yes, because it's totally adverse. <laughs> adverse yes, JJ. Adverse JJ. Ends flare. Yes, no word yet whether there will be any lens flare in this particular mobile game. Probably. <laughs> And then Wesley's like, oh crap, I forgot what he said. Wesley said something, like, it's okay. And then pa- Captain Picard, please don't interrupt Well, we're going to, well, don't forget, it's going to be, yeah. the actual clip is going to be So that. when Wesley tries to. You want to deliver this again? <laughs> yeah. You want to try, try this from the top? So, Cookie, what's your favorite quote from the episode? <laughs> Okay, which one do you want to do, Elijah? Um, or I guess there's four. Yeah, that's fine. We can all switch. Yeah, we, we can, can all just take one turn. Planning is the yeah. cornerstone of our organization. <laughs> I know, there's nothing labeled here. <laughs> but he, there's a little bit labeled at the front, but then it's stopped. Riker states it bluntly to the Guardian, to those who fail to pick it up on their own. For those who fail. I see what he's saying. Riker states it. Riker states it. Pup. Oh, jeez. Riper, Riper, Jakes, or share 120 characters with us on Twitter. Is it 120? It's 140. 140. <laughs> Although maybe after you put at priority one pod, you might only have 120 left. Yeah. But <laughs> I said that last. Yeah, week you did. I know. Well, yeah, because I thought it's close <laughs> enough. Once you've written at priority one pod, it's at pr. At P R I O R I T Y O N E P O D. That's what's that? Fourteen or fifteen characters plus a space. So it's like one hundred and twenty-four, but it's okay. Kenna just took out an abacus. <laughs> you know, I was actually counting on my fingers, and it was really difficult. So I just think it's late. Can we just 
Can we just move this on? <laughs> but I don't understand what you mean. Be, be, be sure, sure to, to miss. miss. Be sure oh, not to miss. Be sure to miss everything from the world of Star Trek. Don't be sure your not podcast. to download yeah. Priority One podcast every Monday. Yeah. Because you know I'm all about that stove, about that stove, no Warcraft, I'm all about that stove, about that stove, no Warcraft, I'm all about that stove, about that stove, no Warcraft, I'm all about that stove, about that stove. Yeah, it's pretty clear, I ain't no horde crew, but I can work a phaser like I'm supposed to do, cause I got that pew pew that all the boards chase, and all the right buffs in all the right places. I see those other games uh, working that magic thing uh, But tech is where it's at Don't need enchanted rings If you got that shooty booty uh, Then raise the glass Cause every inch of you is perfect From your saucer to your app Now Salami, you told me Don't worry about your class He said you could be a blue, gold, or red shirt And still kick I'm all about that stove, about that stove, no Warcraft. I'm all about that stove, about that stove, no Warcraft. I'm all about that stove, about that stove. Hey, I'll bring the future back. Go ahead and tell the major majors that you think you love us bad, but I'm here to tell you every inch of you is perfect from your saucer to your F. Now, so long I'm all about that.